What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and welcome to 305 Culture, a podcast where you'll feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of 305 Culture. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Knock a Few Buck, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, and At The Buzzer. Plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A R. Y-S-E dot com. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and welcome to 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Okay, after a brief break last week, we didn't have an episode last week, but here we are back again this this week, and I brought a, a special guest for you guys. He's known on Twitter as the Matt Heat fan, but he he's also he, he you can also call him Jorge, but you know, most people know him as the Matt Heat fan. So Jorge, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey JJ, thank you, man. Thank you for the invitation. I'm doing great. This is my second time doing a podcast, so bear with me. I hope everything goes good. Alright, awesome Jorge. I'm glad to have you here. And for those of you that don't know, Jorge is a fellow Puerto Rican. We are both, we are both massive Heat fans, and you know, let's go, We're going to discuss this week on Miami Heat basketball. First, let's discuss the record. Miami went two and one on the week with a pretty bad loss to the Grizzlies and an ugly win against the Lakers and an impressive win last night against the Portland Trailblazers. But first, let's discuss the the most pressing pressing issue. Right now with the Miami Heat, which is Victor Oladipo. Jorge, do you have an update for us on, on that end? Yes, man. I just listened to Ida Winderman and Ethan Skolnick from Five Reasons Sports. And they got the latest on Depot. They basically say there was no clear injury yet. Nothing showing on the MRI. Depot is just feeling the pain and discomfort. And he wants to get a second opinion. You know, he wants to get a second opinion. The Heat... Uh, medical staff also want him to get uh, a second opinion. So if something appears, something else appears, we will know. But right now, it's all, I mean, that's what they say, that's what Ira said mainly. It's all mental, 
and physical, of course, the pain, but it depends on, on Depot right now. We gotta remember he's a free agent and he wants to get paid, so he's going he's going to take things slowly. He can't risk it, risk it like others. So yeah, uh, it's something complicated. We won't know yet what's going to happen if there's a timetable for him to to play. But I think that's positive. That's that's good. That's good news because there's nothing else basically. Yeah, I think that's. A pretty good outcome considering the initial worry that Heat fans showed on social media right when we were watching the game. Uh, it was I got really scared because, you know, that's the same knee that he injured back in 2018 when he, back in 2019, excuse me, when he was playing with Indiana and he missed uh, a whole year basically. So it's good to, at least we can breathe easily. He's expected to miss at least the upcoming road trip which the upcoming West Coast road trip, which we'll discuss later on in the pod. So let's hope that he, that he recovers and he feels well because we're entering the stretch run of the season. And I'm really hoping that the Heat can close in on that four seed and enter the playoffs with home court advantage in the first round. So in other Heat news, the Miami Heat signed Dwayne Detman to their 14th roster spot and that he was the last player signed to be eligible to play for in the playoffs. Dwayne Detman, for those who don't know, he's a it's a bit of a journeyman center. He last played with the Hawks. Yeah, yeah, with the Hawks, I think. Yeah, and you know, I didn't. I on the Kings, right? Excuse me. And no, oh, yeah, it was yeah, the Kings on the Hawks. On the Hawks. Yeah. So I, I'll be honest. I haven't watched a lot of him. Aside from his days with the Spurs and early on with the Hawks, you know, looking over here at his at his basketball reference page, you might be misguided when you see the thirty eight percent three point shooting. You think, oh, he's a stretch five, but I don't think. But that he's only shot thirty five percent from deep on two seasons, and the season where he shot thirty eight percent, he only shot around three attempts per game. But he wasn't brought in here. For that specific role, he was mostly brought in to protect the rim and give us a bit of minutes and stagger between him and Bielitsa in order to folks who have Precious focus more on his development because Precious, right now, he's so raw that he's doing more harm than good when he's out there. Would you agree, Jorge? Yeah, of course, man. Precious, I have said this multiple times. Precious, I don't feel like he's a center yet. He has to put the work. He has to put the pawns. And yeah, he's undersized for me, and he's too raw, like you said. He's too raw yet. Looking at the at the D1 demo page, he looks. Yeah, you were going to say something. Oh no no! Uh, I was I was just gonna say that I agree with that point. Oh okay. So yeah, Denmon looks like I like you. I haven't watched enough from him yet, but he looks like a great rebounder. He he looks like. A, a uh, great rebounder, and I remember him being a, a good shot blocker, a good ring protector, at least. And that's that's all we that, that we need from him right now. You know, we don't need him to 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 jack up trees or to shoot x amount of trees. He was a good shooter back in the day with Atlanta in the eighteen nineteen season. Like you said, he had like three point four attempts on thirty eight percent shooting. That's pretty pretty good. So. Yeah, he, he, 
I hope he becomes available soon and he can show up what what he has. Yeah, we Spo hasn't inserted him inserted him into a game so far. Maybe we might see him on Tuesday when he when we face the Suns since DeAndre Aiden is gonna be we're we're gonna be facing DeAndre Aiden and Bielita he's not the ideal guy to handle him. And you know, Bam, whenever he sits down, you either need Bielita or Detman himself to handle him because Precious cannot handle Aiden. He's too he's too big and strong. He's a he's a great rebounder. And you know last what? No, Precious is gonna five five falls falls later. Five yeah, minutes, easily. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna have a hard time guarding Detman if he finds himself in that position. Which I hope that Spo finally unleashes Dwayne Detman. So let's get into the into last week's games. Let's start with the only loss of the week, but a, it was a pretty you know it's a pretty ugly loss against the Grizzlies. Let's start the first quarter. First few possessions, as is, as it has been a theme in in the during the season, early on in the game, trying to get Duncan Robinson going, and what would be a, either a dribble handoff or a screen by Bam, and that's exactly what happened. Duncan Robinson wide open for for deep, and he nailed it. Valanciunas started to play a bit of drop coverage on Bam, and Bam made some nice jump shots. Jorge, did you think that? That Bam should have attacked more that drop coverage scheme that Valanciunas was playing since Valanciunas was more worried about Bam driving past him to the rim. Or what? Do, what do you? What did you like to see from that? I think Bam did the right thing. Bam was aggressive enough for me. He was taking the jump shots. He was taking the shots that Valanciunas was giving. You know, Valanciunas is a great defender at the rim, so. You don't want Bam to just attack for the sake of attacking. Uh, a great defender like him. And yeah, he, he took the jumper. The jumper was on. And it changed. As soon as Bam starts making those jumpers, the game changed for us. The game changed for the for the team. And especially for Duncan, like you said, it's, it's another 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 variant of the heat offense out there. When Bam is taking those those jumpers and making them, of course, of course. Yeah, forces the defense to come up a bit on him. And since Valanciunas, you know, as you said, he can protect the rim pretty well, but he's slow footed, and Bam is much quicker than him. So whenever, yeah, when at, whenever Valanciunas would come up, Bam could just drive past him. However, the offense was not the problem in this game. It was the defense for the Miami Heat, which is. Pretty curious, considering that the Heat are one of the best defensive teams in the NBA this season. The Grizzlies, they started to force switches on Valanciunas, since, you know, Miami loves to switch when it, uh, on defense. And the Grizzlies were forcing switches to Valanciunas, forcing Miami to switch smaller players on Valanciunas. And since Valanciunas is such so big and strong, he he was getting, they were getting good results. They were getting, getting fouls or, or Valanciunas was getting easy baskets. The back line was getting punished a lot whenever Bam switched up onto the onto the perimeter, which is what the Grizzlies exactly wanted. You know, I'm not I'm not an advocate of just straight up changing everything you do in the middle of a game, but maybe some maybe some adjustments could have been made in that regard. Don't you think, Jorge? Or you think we it was just the Grizzlies having a a really good game plan and a hot shooting night? 
Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. I think the Grizzlies definitely, definitely had a great night, a great shooting night particularly. They were hitting crazy shots. The man, Dylan Brooks, was... He thought he was like Michael Jordan something because he went off. And we let him go off, you know. Our defense was was bad. It was... as Sometimes it was disinterested. That third quarter was awful. The, the end of that third quarter when... when Dylan Brooks just went off. Yeah, it, it wasn't good. And I think it definitely... If it was a playoff series, you know, adjustments will have been made. But the Grizzlies are, the Grizzlies are just a, a bad team for us, a bad matchup. They always play, play us good. They always have something on their shoulders. You know, they have a, a sheep on their shoulders because of Iguodala, because of, of those things. And now you are the Winslow situation. So they want to play us and they show it and they are right now or when that when that game happened they were hot they were on a hot shooting streak they were demolition teams from from three they went after us i think they beat the the hawks so they they just had a great great road trip and and that's kudos to them you know i hate them i hate that team but that's kudos to them <laughs> i hate them man man well, I don't. I wouldn't say I would hate them. I just say I don't like playing them because the if 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 our listeners remember the last game that he played against the Grizzlies, which was in Memphis, that game was a bloodbath. That game was very different from the game played in Miami. That was a slow burn game. I think neither team crossed the ninety point mark. That was a very very tough game. The Heat countered the the Grizzlies, forcing the switch by inserting a second defender whenever Balanchunas caught it in the low block. Usually it was Jimmy or Oladipo, which, which they basically played a free safety role in which whenever Balanchunas received the ball, they were lurking in the, ba- in the back, either to swipe the ball away from him or just double him and force him to make a quick decision. But, you know, the Grizzlies were, were, did pretty good because they started to move without the ball whenever they saw that that, that was happening. They either moved a three-point shooter to the corner and they were making them. And, you know, props to them for for countering our counter. Exactly. exactly. They were making the quick decisions. Exactly. As I said, Bam was pretty good from, from on offense and to start the game. He started 5-5 five, five, five from the floor. Most of them were jump shots from the mid-range. And uh, both teams started trading baskets. As I said, a stark contrast from their first out, from their first meeting. Valanciunas kept killing us in that first quarter. Tyler Hero came in and provided a pretty huge spark in the in the scoring department off the bench. And, you know, that helped us keep it close in the first quarter. However, we allowed 37 points to the Memphis Grizzlies in the first quarter and Memphis closed the quarter with a 37-34 to 34 lead. There was something that, cons- that started to concern me. And, you know, after this game, there was a lot of discourse around, the, around Goran Dragic on the timeline. But, you know... Goran lost a ball a couple of times in that quarter, and he looked a bit slow. He has not been shooting it particularly well from deep, aside from that Bulls game, which he went off, but he wasn't he wasn't shooting it pretty well. Any other takeaway from the first quarter, Jorge, before we move on to the second quarter? You're killing me right now. You're mentioning Dragic now, and that that's pain for me. 
I just, yeah, I think we're going to talk about Dragic more. We're going to have more games to talk about him. So I'm just going to say that you're right. Dragic is not looking good. He has me worried. And yeah, we're going to talk on that, I think, a little bit later. So I, we, we can move on to the second quarter. Quarter. Yeah. Well, it, which is, uh, I, I understand your worry because Gorn was our third best player on our finals run last season. And, you know, it's a bit sad. Maybe some people are attributing the foot injury that he suffered during the, during the stretch run of the, during the finals, which has significantly slowed him down. But right now, he either needs to compensate. Since he can't get past people that much anymore, he should start compensating with some good jump shooting. In the second quarter, Oladipo started a quarter with some great defense and led to a fast break bucket. It was a pretty nice sequence to see him and Iguodala share the ball before Oladipo got an easy basket at the rim. The Heat are having they were having trouble stopping the Grizzlies without John Morant. Which, by the way, the Heat had a pretty impressive game plan to stop John Morant in this game. Jaw was basically a non-factor offensively, so that was a pretty good game for them. Jamie started to get going offensively. And I want to mention something to you, Jorge. This week, I noticed Jimmy Butler starting to take... He wasn't driving to the paint as much. And he was taking a lot and a lot of lot of jump shots. What do you... Do you think... I don't... I'm not a huge fan of Jimmy taking jump shots. But he has been making them. You know? What do you think about this? Jimmy Butler bought right now. You gotta call him that. Because he's making them jumpers. He has the mid game going and it's showing. Like, uh, he's shooting right now. I have the, the, the notes here. He's shooting over the last 10 games. He's shooting 60% on, on mid range. That's 2.2 attempts per game. You know, that the sample size is good. Of course, I don't think 60% is going to last very long, but if he can use between 45% and 55% of or I mean that's 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 in human right now but over 50, uh, uh, 45% to 50% we are good we are good with him doing that because he's he's getting to his to, to his spots he's taking those jumpers and he's making them you know he's on, in total control out there last night was the same thing he's looking great man I'm, I'm excited for him he said he had something special for us, and he's showing it right now. You know, he's showing it in full force. Yeah, I think I agree. His form has been terrific for the past for the past few months, for the past months of sorry, excuse me. Ever since he came full, he fully came back from injury. He has been and he has been unquestionably an All NBA level player. I expect him to be either an All NBA second or an All NBA third team player and. I think he has booked a spot, unless he misses a lot of some games during the stretch run, which I hope he doesn't, for our sake. But if he if he doesn't miss any more games, I think he's locked up a forward spot in the all defensive first team. Would you agree? He has to. He has to. NBA.com. It it it's not acknowledging acknowledge him, but. He has to take that, that spot. He's one of the best defenders on the NBA. He's our, I think, you know, Bam, Bam is our glue guy. 
But I think Jimmy is what breaks or makes our defense. His defensive numbers, even with a bump, you know, you see his defensive rating with a bump, and the numbers are, are great. He's just that guy. He's just that, that guy that's pushing us over the limit, and he's doing everything right now. So I hope the NBA rewards him with the, or the, the writers and the, the columnists uh, rewards, rewards him with the, at least some deep-point consideration, some MVP consideration, and of course, like you said, the, the all second, NBA second or third team, because he deserves it, man. He's, he's playing over the, over his head right now. Yeah, he's been amazing this season, whenever he's healthy. And, you know, the second quarter, much, I think it was a bit of a repetition of the first quarter. The Grizzlies stayed scorching hot from three, particularly in the corners. You know, the Miami switching scheme allowed, allows a lot of corner threes to be open, and the Grizzlies were taking advantage of them. I guess the Heat were playing the percentages because the Grizzlies are not a particularly great three-point shooting team, team, I suppose. You know, I'm basically this off the last meeting that they had. But, you know, if you leave Desmond Bain open from the corner, that guy's a pretty good shooter. So, yeah, he's, he's going to make them. Also, the Heat's three-point shooting, Duncan Robinson was basically carrying them in the three-point shooting department. The, the, the rest of the team was struggling, particularly Bielitsa. He was shooting them. You know, he was shooting them with confidence, and I thought, you know, they were they weren't bad shots. They were just they just weren't going in. A lot of them looked short, which was surprising. I don't know if it's it's him trying to get into what we call heat shape, because <laughs> you know, the the heat don't don't like players who are. I'm gonna say I'm not gonna say fat, but I'm gonna say players that are <laughs> that are out of shape. And Bielitsa, he doesn't exactly look. He doesn't exactly look like he's in pristine condition. So, you know, let's get him into the heat conditioning program and he'll maybe stop leaving jumpers short. Would you say so, Jorge? Yeah, he was taking them deep too. He was taking those deep trees. Like someone said, or I think it was Iggy, they are bullying him. They are bullying him to, to shoot every time he gets, he gets the ball. And I see that he likes to, to, to take that drive because... Uh, defenders know he's a shooter, so they are going to rush to him to to get the contest. But he likes to drive. He likes to to take the drive. And right now, he gotta remember he's on a team that that needs him to shoot to take those shots. Um, yeah, he was taking them deep, and I think that's part of the reason too why why he was short. Yeah, I think it's important for him to at least take them because he keeps the defense honest that way. That way, the def the defense cannot just sag off because they know that he can he's not going to take them anyway the half ended with memphis ahead by 6 63 to 57 which leads us to the so-called third quarter basically this third quarter was the dylan brooks show well the it was most, most dylan brooks versus jimmy butler and dylan brooks won which is something that if you had told me before the game, I would have laughed in your face. Corner threes again for Memphis. And Vic was looking, Oladipo was looking to push the action of multiple possessions in the quarter. He was putting a lot of pressure on the rim. You know, the next game, which we're going to discuss, the Lakers game, that was the game where he finally started to look in rhythm on offense. But, you know, we all know what happened in that game, but we're going to discuss that later. Jimmy was going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Dylan Brooks. 
but the rest of the supporting cast for the Heat was were a bit slow. Bam, he had a pretty, you know, Bam and Jimmy were the only sources of offense in that quarter because Orisa, you know, we don't expect Orisa to be a to be a very good offensive player. Everything he brings on offense is is a bonus because his focus should be on the defensive end. But you know, it would be nice to see other players make shots, make plays aside from Jimmy and Bam. Would you agree, Jorge? Yeah, man, the, the game was, it was painful that third quarter. You said that third quarter because that was awful. Uh, Dylan Brooks went went off and Jimmy was, was doing his thing with, with, with the spacing Jalixa provides. So it was a, a Jimmy versus Dylan Brooks team. And Brooks took the, the best of it. You know, Brooks, <laughs> Brooks did everything out there. And it was crazy. But, yeah, I, I think the other guys didn't hit them shot, the, their shots. And I think it was like a back-to-back. Was it a back-to-back game? Or a third? It wasn't, wasn't? No, it wasn't the second night of a back-to-back, like the first meeting with Memphis, which that one was the right, back-to-back. Right, yeah. That was. That was uh, yeah, I think there was more. I wouldn't. I don't like to say this, but I think it was a lot of an effort, effort thing for the Heat on defense. Definitely, they were slow. They were slow-footed. They were uh, even those you said uh, earlier about the double team, the change of scheme on on Balanchunas. Whenever he goes, he got the ball on the post. You know those double teams. Double teams were soft. They were soft. They were not the usual hit double team. The usual hit physical defense. So yeah, I think it was a game to forget, and the team got comfortable playing like that. Like that. The fourth quarter, there wasn't. There isn't a lot to discuss in that quarter. Jimmy made a three, which was nice, but the only thing was. I think the because it was basically a microcosm of the entire game. The only thing that of note was that Coach Spo got called for a rare technical foul. It was, it is unusual to see Coach Spo lose his cool in that way. You know he he you know you know you know that under that mask he's saying some pretty he's not he's not saying nice things to the refs or thinking them. Yeah, but it's nasty things. things. Yeah, but it was really weird seeing Coach Spolstra get get a technical foul. Yeah, he, he was over it too. He was over over that game, and when like you say, when he's when he gets teed up, it's because he deserves it. It's a lot of building anger or or just frustration over the the game. So. It's rare, but when it happens, it's totally deserved. Yeah, it, it was it was weird seeing him get get te- the technical foul. Anyway, Memphis won one twenty four to one twelve. That was a you know that was not a good game for Miami. Let's discuss the hot stuff for the Heat in this game. A hundred and twelve point score for Miami. You know, offense has been an issue all season long, so I guess this was a positive positive for them. Fifty three point seven percent shooting from the floor for Miami, 34 assists for Miami, 11 made threes on 61% shooting, and contain, they contain John Morant. Any other hot stuff from the game, Jorge, which is something positive that the Heat did? I think, wow, Mama Levayo taking advantage of the drop. 
that's something that I always love to see. When teams don't play him right, don't give him the respect he deserves. He was taking advantage of that, and, and I love it. You know, that's totally, that, that's pretty, basically it of, of what you can take of the hot stuff. And you mentioned the, the offense, and we go, we are going to get deep, deeper on that later. So Now the cold stuff for the Heat, things that, were, that did not go well for Miami. They allowed 124 points to the Memphis Grizzlies on 54.8% shooting. Want to know where the Heat, where the Grizzlies rank on in offensive rating for the season? The Grizzlies are 15th in offensive rating. They're a better offensive team than the Heat, but they're a pretty average offensive team. And the Heat made them look like they were world beaters. Now, 17 made threes for Memphis and Dylan Brooks basically becoming Clay Thompson. Any other cold stuff from this game for the Heat before we move on to the Lakers game, Jorge? You basically said it all, man. It was a forgettable game. They shoot their, their lights off. So, yeah, moving on. Yeah, well, moving on to the Lakers game. You know, it was a national televised game. Rematch from the NBA Finals. The Heat won their first meeting against the Lakers in L.A. 98-96, which was the game that memorable, that had a pretty memorable final possession, which we almost lost at the buzzer. That game was pretty... That ending was pretty hard on, the, on my nerves and on my blood pressure. The Gogurt jerseys. We're going to call them the Gogurt jerseys now because vice versa. Every game I, I see the vice versa jerseys, I like them even less. So we're going to call them the Gogurt jerseys for the national TV matchup. Jorge, do you like the Gogurt jerseys? The Gogurt what? The Gogurt jerseys. How do you spell that? that? I need, I need I to know this. Well, Gogurt, for those of, of our listeners that don't know, Gogurt uh, is a yogurt that was when, when, I, when, I, when, I was, when I was when I was a kid. <laughs> it was a really colorful, colorful yogurt that they used to sell in the supermarket. I don't know if they still sell it. Probably, oh, yeah, it, was, they it, sell was, that, that. it was probably full of sugar. I'm, I'm glad that I didn't, I didn't eat that. But you know, what do you think about the vice, the vice versa jerseys, uh, Jorge? You know, because I, mean, I, I don't like them that much. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I'm not a fan of the, of the, that, I don't know how you call that. That, oh my, I forgot the name, but yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of, of the color, of the gra the gradient. That's, that's the name, the gradient, like that. Uh, I don't think it's good. So, yeah, let's go call it that. Let's go call it the Gogurt shirt or jerseys. Because uh, I, I'm a fan of the of the, of the the late ones, the last season. The, the oh, those ones, the, the blue yeah, the ones, blue those were clean. Those were, the, were good. The Vice Waves one were pretty, were really yeah, solid. Yes. Those were amazing, but, but, but this one's not, 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 so not so much. You know, this was it's a sad, a sad ending to the to the Heat Vice collection because you know, as you all know, this was this was the last season of the of the Vice collection. So let's see what they come up with next season because those Vice jerseys were the best jerseys in the NBA, in my opinion. And this was a sad ending, a sad ending for for such a great line of shirts. Of of. Right now, you know, 
Yeah, shout out to the Hornets. They they up their game and they have for me they have the best the best jerseys on the game. Oh, right I think those jerseys are clean. Yeah, and those and the Spur and the Spurs jerseys are are incredible. I really like the Spurs ones, the ones with the with the colors in the in the middle. Those and the Hornets, I think, are the two best jerseys in the league. So let's talk about the game, the Heat and the Lakers game. This was Andre Drummond's return for the LA Lakers after he missed a couple games because he apparently his toenail got absolutely shattered in his first game with the Lakers. You know, that must have been pretty painful. So it was good for, for LA to see, you know, good for LA, you know, to have him back, which is weird because Marcus Hall is now out of the rotation for the Lakers. But that's enough about the Lakers. The Heat, the first quarter, it was a, you know, it was expected. I expected this game to be a low scoring affair, given that both teams are in the top, are, are of the top defensive teams in the NBA. The Lakers are the, are the best defensive team by defensive rating in the NBA. The, the Heat are six. And it showed the the defense in this game was crisp for both teams. Except for the part where Quintavious Caldwell Pope burned us. You know, the game, the first quarter, started with Oladipo attacking the rim with force. Bam was doing a pretty good job keeping Drummond off the glass. And he even had a huge block on Drummond. What were your main takeaways of that first quarter, Jorge? I mean... That first quarter was amazing for me, for Depot, for the confidence. He was attacking and getting to the to the paint, to the free throw line. I think we shot like fifteen or, or eleven free throws in that first quarter. quarter. I think I right? think so. Yeah, we were drawing a lot of fouls for you know an yeah, aggressive yeah. Laker defense. Yep, it was it was good. It was good to see and and to go against Will Chamberlain like that against Karim Abdul Jabbar. Cause that's what that's basically what they call him, Chris Webber and everyone else kind of call him that. I don't think that he's that good, and they are overrating him a lot. But yeah, and oh man, it was awful. Like they were overrating Dennis Schroeder and and Andre Drummond like that. They are a good defensive team, but yeah, they are they are not there yet. So now about the Heat, let's let's focus on the Heat and. It was a good quarter. Oladipo started great. That's all that we've been asking him to do. Like every time we we saw him play the last two games or the the past games, it was him spotting up, spotting up, taking the the jump shot. And when he got to drive, he got to to finally attack. He was himself. Yeah, I think that's what made him such a great player in this All NBA campaign in 2018. His ability to drive to the rim and pressure the defense. And his pull-up shooting in that season was fantastic. But, you know, his, his shooting has been regressing ever since since his injury. But it was good to see him attacking the rim with force. You know, effort will do... will That type of attack will do wonders for your offense. The quarter ended with Miami ahead 32-27. to Moving on to the second quarter. Another Jimmy 3. You know, it's good to see Jimmy hitting threes. Not consistently, but, you know... At least he is trying them. And th there was something that I noticed that the Heat were doing. When, since, you know, the Lakers lack playmakers with Anthony Davis and LeBron James out. Their best playmaker was basically Shooter. And whenever Shooter caught the ball, the Heat were blitzing him. They, they were lurking in the passing lanes. They 
smothered him with double teams in order to make him take the ball in order to take the ball out of his hands, which I guess in part opened up the game for Kentavious Caldwell Pope to take over, and he had a pretty strong game. But what do you what do you like about the Heat defensive scheme against the Lakers in this game, Jorge? Yeah, man, like you said, they were. This is the Heat defense. That was the Heat defense. It was more physical. They were game planning for 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 Schroeder to take out Schroeder out, out of the game. Kentavious Cowell Pope happened, but he wasn't the, the focus. You live with that and you take care of the of the main weapons. Uh, Bam also handled Drummond very well. Drummond was Drummond is a very physical guy. He is going to to attack the paint and he's going to to put that shoulder down and go out force. So Bam I, I know a lot of people think he's undersized that he and he can handle big centers. Drummond is a pretty physical center. He's a he's a big guy, you know, he's a, like six eight like Bam, but he's much stronger or, or he looks much stronger than Bam, more physical than Bam and Bam did a perfect job. Bam was amazing on that one too. One too. I think I think Bam did a really good job on Drummond. And something that I noticed since Drummond went down with foul trouble in the in that game, since in the, he were attacking him relentlessly in the paint, part of that was Oladipo finally start attacking the paint with confidence. That was that was that was uh, very encouraging to see. But you know, I think that when Montrezl Harrell came into the game for Drummond and Bam was on was on the floor, I think that. Bam did a really good job attacking Harold off the dribble or spotting out for for jump shots. Jorge, you have to you have something to say? Yeah, man, I, I, I'm just going to brag about this. You know how how good is Jimmy Butler shooting lately? From three, from three. I just checked that, and he's shooting forty four point four percent from three on the last five games. On Two on how much? How much? One on basically two attempts per game, forty-four percent. That's that's good, man. That's good. That's like I think that's four, four three-pointers, four yeah, four three-pointers in five games on about nine attempts. So yeah, that is pretty love, good. We love to, love see, to that. see that. Yeah, absolutely Please, love to see that. that. You know, I don't well. We gotta be careful because I don't want Jimmy. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't want Jimmy to start settling for threes all of a sudden. But when he, if he keeps yeah, making them, if he keeps making them at that clip, he's gonna keep the. He's gonna make defenses come up on him, and he can drive past him since he's so strong. And that opens up. Uh, uh, that opens up the the offense for the Heat so much because part of our early struggles in on the year was that Jimmy. This is not an exaggeration. He literally wasn't making threes. There was a point where I think he had like we were like deep into the season and he had yet to make a three pointer. And it, it's good to see him finally get that jump shot back. And last season, even with our, in our finals run, Jimmy was probably the worst that had he had the worst effective field goal percentage in the league for perimeter players. This was not that was not an exaggeration. Kirk Goldsbury verified it. It was not Russell Westbrook, it was Jimmy Butler last season, the the guy who had the worst perimeter jump jump shooting percentage in the entire league but it's good to see him 
make those jump shots. Anything else on the first half, Jorge, before we move on to the second half? Yeah, not on the first half, but on Jimmy Waldron, since we are talking about that. He, I think last season, he was he was exiting, taking those jumpers and those trees. Right now, I can see him taking the jumpers with confidence. Like, like we said, he's shooting 60% of the last 10 games. And he's also taking those trees, you know, as I love, I love when he's taking those two, at least two trees per game, because those are wide open. He's taking the chance, and and, and if, if it's corner trees, it's even better, because those corner trees, I think he's, he's shooting a pretty good percentage from there. But yeah, I think he, I don't know if he was injured last season or if, or if it was something else, but he's looking great. Right now, he's looking great. And on the first half of the Lakers game, I think you summed that pretty well. Like, when when Harrell was in, the offense just flew. It was a great flow to the offense with Harrell in. Because Harrell is not a... He's not a, 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 pain, a, a ring protector. He's not a defender. He's not a pain defender. So Bam took advantage of that. Uh, we were attacking. Everyone was attacking when when Harrell was in, and that's something the Lakers will have to deal with when they get to the playoffs. Playoffs. Yeah, I don't know if 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 any, if any Laker fans saw the Clippers Nuggets series last season. You'll know what Harrell will bring on the defensive, and particularly against an elite big man, especially like Jokic last season, where he just got roasted in the in the in that series. So now let's move it on to the third quarter. Bam started to take those mid-range jump, jump shots with much more confidence. Oladipo was excellent in that in this game. I think it, he was playing his role perfectly. The, this was the way that I think the Heat envisioned him fitting into the team. He takes some, you know, takes some jump shots, but drive to the rim relentlessly and be a pest on defense. And the Turnovers caused by the Heat blitzing led to a lot of uh, of either fast break buckets. However, the the Heat turned it over a fair amount themselves. And Precious came into the game, and you know what happened? He got like four. Not an exaggeration. He got like four fouls in in like five minutes or so. He immediate he immediately looked lost, and you know it's a shame because he's a rookie. And I really hope that he turns it around. What did, did you? I I'm guessing you didn't like the precious minutes in that third quarter, didn't you, Jorge? I did. I'm not a, a precious fan yet. I mean, I, I love the guy, but he's he's not ready. So I didn't like him. You know, the 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 defense was great. The offense was uh, wasn't that good yet. So we needed. I think we needed Jelixa for the shooting, but it's clear right now that, that Jelixa lost coach Paul Trust. And for that game at least, I think it was a matchup thing. It was to put uh, the, the smaller, quicker guy on Harrow, like Precious. So, yeah, I, I didn't like it that much, but it, it spoiler alert, it worked out. So, I, even with those four fouls, he was great after that. So, it was out. It was alright. Okay. It was alright. Hey, we got a bit. We got to see a bit of point precious when he 
took the ball coast to coast. He traveled, but it didn't get called. So and he had a pretty a pretty nice fast break bucket. But it was nice it was nice to see Point Precious. Oladipo had a couple of in rhythm threes that night and he shot and they looked beautiful. They swished through the net. And Duncan had a an absolute bomb from from three, which by the way became a four point play because he got hacked. The the Laker defense was stifling. I gotta give them a lot of credit. That the Laker defense was something. But the quarter ended with Miami at 83 to 80. Moving on to the fourth quarter, Jimmy started, as I mentioned before, this is a trend. Jimmy's shooting a lot more jump shots in recent games. So, you know, it was it was good to see it is good to see him making them and taking them. Miami did a really good job playing the passing lanes and taking advantage of the Lakers' lack of good playmakers. Shorter was absolutely neutralized in that game. He didn't do anything. However, we get to the part that, you know, basically clouded the win for every Heat fan in this game, which was Oladipo went up for a dunk. He ha- he made it, but he came in, he came down limping. And that's a and, and he was limping. He it looked like his the knee Hit, the knee which he, in which he had surgery on was the one that got hurt. So that was something something bad to see. Markeith Morris got got ejected from that game. So, you know, that was a, a that was really weird. By the way, in the in the same night both Morris both Morris twins got ejected in different separate games. One was in LA against the Suns and the other was here in Miami. Yeah, I see, I see. Classic what do you think? Energy. Yeah, those those Morris twins are something. I don't I don't know. I mean, I guess that's their brand. They're pretty, they're pretty crazy. Like, well, not crazy, but they're just they want to act tough. Bam, you know, curiously, Bam struggled from the line that night, and ultimately Miami won one ten to one o four. Key takeaways from the game, Jorge. Before we get into the hot stuff and the cold stuff. Yeah, key takeaways that third quarter by Depot. That was that was it for me. That was the dream. That was what what all his fans ambition. You know, he got himself going with the drives, with the free throws, and then he was making those trees. He started making those spot up trees. I think it wasn't pull up trees, but he was he he, he has a quick trigger too. So he was taking the trees. He was making the trees. He was. I think he made like a pull-up jumper, maybe, or or a floater, something like that. I don't remember well. Something like a teardrop, and and it looked great. You know, he he was he was he was getting to the line. I mean, he was getting to the to the reading. He he was. I think he was on pace for a twenty-five plus plus points explosion. He was going to have that game. That that I was. Praying about, you know, I was basically, uh, all those days, I was like, Saint Depot is going to save us. Saint Depot is going to do this and that, and 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 it almost happened. But like like we talked about earlier in the podcast, the as soon as that happened, I was devastated. I was like heartbroken. I. <laughs> Not that not that crazy, not that serious, but yeah, I I wasn't as as interested as I was before in the game or the results. But it's good to know that today we woke up with some. I I won't call them great news or good news, 
but they are positive unless they are positive and yeah it was a good game it, it was a good win Schroeder wasn't wasn't a factor at all and that was the 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 best part of the of the game for me because when we want we can take out the best player yeah I, I agree with that let's move to the hot stuff for this game the heat shot 47.9% from the field 32 make free throws that's a that's a lot a lot of free throws made Jimmy Butler was an absolute badass in this game and shooter was rendered ineffective from a scoring perspective and we forced 22 Laker turnovers and we shot 43 throws Anything else, Jorge? Yeah, man, I tweeted this earlier. I tweeted this uh, an hour ago. At the Malhi fan, shameless plug. <laughs> Over the last eight games, the Lakers, who already, like you said before, have the best defensive rating on the NBA. They Over the last eight games, they posted a 99.9 defensive rating. That's the lowest on, the, on, the, on that eight-game span. So only one team had an, offens uh, an offensive rating better than 107, and that was us posting a, an 11, a 111.1 offensive rating. You know, the Nets, the Nets with, I think it was, yeah, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, yeah, Kyrie got, got ejected, whatever. They posted a 98.1 offensive rating. The Clippers, 106.1. The Bucks 106.7 and the Sixers 106.9. So one of the best defenses in the game or, or, or the best defense in the league. And we posted a great we had a great offensive night because 111.1 is a great number for me against that defense. So yeah, that's something I think that's the hot stuff though. I think that's very hot stuff from front of the heat. And that's some very good info from Jorge because the Lakers, as we said, they are a defensive buzzsaw this season. They have been outstanding on defense. Cold stuff. Contavious Caldwell-Pope killing us. 20 turnovers for Miami. That's a lot. Only 10 made three-pointers for the Heat. Uh, once again, Duncan Robinson made most of them. And, of course, Victor Oladipo getting hurt. Now let's move on to last night's game, the Heat and the Blazers. Now this game was something. We once again got the yogurt jerseys. Lillard was wearing, a, was wearing a headband for some reason. And we were going up against the number two scorer in the league. And the Heat held the number two scorer in the league, averaging almost 30 points per game. They held him to 12 points. This was a, I think this was a defensive masterpiece by the Miami Heat. Don't you think, Jorge? Oh, saw Nah, man. It was, it was a great team team effort but yeah Arisa is great defending guards he's doing a, he did twice in, in in the both games a fantastic job defending them leader I don't know if them is injured you know the first game we had some someone said he he was injured or something like that but he's looking great I mean Arisa is looking great defending one of the fastest point guards in the game or, or the the, the best pointers in the game. You know? So it was a great defensive effort. It was, they were on a back-to-back, to back, but it wasn't like a road trip or something. So no excuses. This is the NBA. We played those games and they got hammered last night. Nurkic was clearly out of sync. 
it was out of scene, totally. I think, you know, the Heat played mostly a very similar scheme to the first game, which was basically doubling and blitzing Damian, Damian Lillard whenever he got the ball and had somebody waiting for him at the paint whenever he was driving. However, the difference from this game was that CJ McCollum was not killing us, making every single shot he took. <laughs> yeah. And he wasn't as um No, because last time he was he was something. That guy was killing us. And, and so, you know, something that I was a bit worried about coming into this game was, you know, as you said, Nurkic and Kanner grabbing rebounds. And once again, the, the Portland Trailblazers thoroughly out-rebounded us. But it didn't, sh it didn't show up in the final score because this was a, a defensive, excellent, an excellent defensive game for the Miami Heat. And, you know, Jimmy, there was a, the first quarter, Jimmy Fist missed a bunny. It was really weird seeing him miss those. I've seen, you know, no Bam slander, right? But I've seen Bam miss a couple bunnies this season. But seeing Jimmy miss one was really jarring. Now, something that we that I noticed throughout the game, Bam was feasting against the defensively inept Blazers front court. Nurkic and Kanter are not going to be able to defend Bam Adebayo. And if you put Covington on him, he's too small and Bam is too, is too tall and strong. So Bam was either shooting from range or driving to the basket. And I think this was the game where Bam really showed what what a great player he is. You know, he has shown it before, particularly in that Brooklyn game where he scored 41. But I think this game, he took charge early on and he didn't look back. What you what you like about this game for Bam? Yeah, it was. I, I think I tweeted that too. He was... This was the game that he showed the complete arsenal. He was attacking, he was passing, he was driving, he was taking the jumpers. He was taking basically what the what the defense gave him, but he also was attacking. And he realizes when, when he had Norkish on him, when Counter was the one defending or attempting to defend or watching, or watching because he doesn't defend, he, he doesn't do that. And yeah, he's off. He's the worst. I think he's the worst defender in uh, center in the league. But yeah, uh, Bam was like I said. What like you said, he was amazing. He was taking control of everything, and he was doing the job boxing out. Whenever Bam is boxing out a center, that center is not getting the offensive rebound. I mean, obviously sometimes it happens, but they. I think the Heat quote rebounding problems well end quote are exaggerated because we play a switch defense because you know Duncan Robbins or Dragic or Jimmy Water is or, or are boxing out those big guys and it's different when when Bam is the one doing that job, that job. yeah I think I agree with you you know I recently have noticed that the rebounding might be a bit overstated as you said because we're winning even though our rebounding is not great and since the switching defense sometimes puts smaller defenders in the back line that allows bigger guys to just come in and take us the only problem with that is you know when you play a let's say we're looking ahead here but let's say you play a team like the Sixers a guy like Embiid that's gonna be that's either gonna be a huge series for him or the switches are gonna work perfectly against him, and he's not gonna have a good series, 
uh, and a huge, a huge series, I should say. But you know, let's not look that far ahead because we're still, we still got a ways to go before we get, we get to the playoffs. Now, Ty, Canner, whenever Canner was on the floor, the Heat were putting him pick and roll actions and pick, pick and pop. He, between Bam and Hero, Hero was, was whenever Canner dropped, Hero took a jump shot. And Hero is pretty good on those mid-range jump shots, so I think that was a, the smart thing to do. So, whenever Canner was on the floor, the Heat were, the Heat offense looked looked great. Don't, don't you think, Jorge, or I think it also the issue was that that the that the Blazers offense just simply could not get going consistently. The Heat were were prepared for everything they were gonna throw at them. They were contesting shots. Norman Powell was the only guy that was that I could say you could say was giving the Heat problems. Would you say, Jorge, or would or do you have another Blazer to nominate in that category? No, definitely. I think uh the Blazers weren't prepared at all for 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 us. The defense was slow, and we were quick making decisions. Like you said, the pick and roll game was working perfectly, or worked perfectly against Counter, because Counter can defend anything. So, I I, I mean I like I love the 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 mid range game. I love when Hero take those those pull-ups and even Nong. Nong is a great pull-up guy, pull-up mid-range guy. So Jimmy too, Jimmy too. Uh, when you watch Jimmy last night, you were watching or you were seeing an alpha duck. Like he had that, that body language all night long. And I know he missed some, a couple of, of bunnies because he missed, he missed one, at least on the first quarter he missed one, but during that game he missed like like three or, or two bunnies, and, and it was it was crazy at first. But yeah, the, the, he he's just on such another another level right now. He's understanding his game. He's he's picking his spots. He's doing whatever he wants whenever he wants. And Jim BP, that's all. Jim BP. Yeah. I think last night we watched a top 10 player in the NBA. That's how good Jimmy Butler is. Whenever he's on, he's a top 10 player in the NBA, in my opinion. So the third quarter, it was the opposite of the third quarter from the Memphis game. It was an excellent quarter for Miami. Portland could not defend the rim. And the Heat were pressuring their Blazers into low percentage shots and turnovers. And that's that's basically when... That quarter, that's where the Blazers lost the game. Iggy from the corners, and that he was straight cash, homie, in that game. In that game from the corners, that was. <laughs> I want to do that. that. Yeah, we Max Kellerman. When you should have asked him if he wanted somebody shooting corner threes. I want Iguodala in that in that department. The fourth quarter, you know, the game was over by that point, and the the Heat were playing their young guys. And their end of the bench guys, one hundred seven ninety eight win for the Heat. Great start to the road trip. Neutralized Jamie and Lillard, and some of the hot stuff held Portland to eleven three pointers and only ninety eight points. Keep in mind, this is one of the top offenses in the league, and the number two scorer in the NBA. Keep him in check in that depart in that manner. I think that's that's a really good, great accomplishment for the Miami Heat. 
the Blazers are seventh in the league in offensive rating at just over 117 points per 100 possessions. Which, by the way, I think that would be, you know, this season has seen a crazy, an absolutely crazy offensive explosion. Because if I'm not mistaken, 117 was one of the, was one of the, I think that was the Dallas Mavericks record for last season. And there are currently, I think, three or five teams that are set to surpass that record. So this season, you're looking at five of the best offensive teams to have ever played the game, according to the stats. Because, you know, when you look into it and the rules and stuff, you know that, you know that those teams are not the greatest offensive teams ever. And, you know, the lack of fans will also, I think, also plays a huge part in that because fans, you know, fans are, can make a huge difference in games. When, 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 you know, when you play, I remember back in the day when the Thunder were contenders with Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, that Chesapeake, Chesapeake Energy Arena, that, that place was rocking. Whenever, even through the broadcast, you could tell that that place was just buzzing with, Whenever there was a huge playoff game there. Now, cold yeah, stuff. Well, they have one of the best fan bases in the game. Well, they had because right now I, I can see them. But you know, <laughs> they had one of the best fan bases. Even the Bla- the Blazers too. Yeah, the Blazers too. They have an excellent fan base. Jorge, any other hot stuff from the game? For the Heat. Not so much from the game. I mean, I think you you pretty much mentioned all of them. But for the the heat, hot stuff, this is another tweet. I think on the last, I mean, you said about the, the holding the Blazers to that, to less than 100 points, and Damian Lillard, we know we have a, a great defense. It hasn't been as consistent at, at, as before, but we have a great defense, and we know that whenever we want, we, we go out there and we defend like hell. So, what surprised me was that we have played a bunch of pretty good defenses lately. You know, we played the Pacers twice, three times in like five games. So, they they have a pretty good defense. We played the Suns, the Hornets, the Knicks, the Grizzlies, the Lakers. You know, those are great defenses, especially the, the Knicks and the Lakers. And the offensive rating during those games, just to mention some of those, we had a 110.5 offensive rating versus the Hornets. It was the only game that we started like down 50 and then we we almost came back. But regardless, it was great. Then, I mean, the offensive rating was great. But the game was. Against the Grizzlies, we had a 116.7 offensive rating. And against the Lakers, like I mentioned earlier, earlier, one eleven point one. During those ten games, during the last ten games, I mean, we are or we have a one twelve point nine offensive rating. I think that's amazing. That's great. It's it's not the one seventeen offensive rating other teams have, but we have the the one one oh six. I think. Defense to match up. Let, let's let, let's check the numbers. I'm on the computer, so let's see. Let, let's speak with facts, with common sense. Uh, last, that's the that's the thing. <laughs> last 15 games. Yeah, it's not it's not that good. Like, like I thought. 
But last, last 10 games. Last 10 games is 111, the defensive rating. So oh, that's, I that like, is pretty yeah, good. That's, no, the defensive, no, the defensive rating. rating. Oh, no. oh he's, he's, sorry. I, I, mis I, I misheard. Yeah, so it, wa it, was, it hasn't been consistent, you know, the, the defensive part, but the offense is 112.9. So, and during and for the season, we have a 109.3 defensive rate. So I think, I, I you know, I we have it. We are figuring out stuff offensively. And I said yesterday, we, we are playing different on offense. Do you agree with that? Have you, have you seen something different from us this past three or, or four couple of games? Okay. Well, what I've seen is... First, Duncan Robinson's ability and, you know, I wouldn't say ability, but say willingness, willingness to drive to the basket and either pass out of double teams or actually take shots at the basket. You know, I feel like sometimes he was just concentrating too much on the three-point line. And Hero playing more freely, Jimmy making his jump shots. So I think that's what makes our offense different. And of course, Lodipo starting to pressure the rim. That opens up our offense. So yeah, that's what uh, those are my main takeaways on offense for the Heat. For in the last yeah, I few agree, games, I agree. I agree. I think Duncan Duncan has been a difference maker on that department. He is not hunting as much for those trees. He's just taking what the defense is giving him, and you know the defense doesn't want to give him those trees. So he's driving and he's making great plays, and. I think I, I'm, I'm searching for a tweet here. During the last three games, the Heat are I, the Heat are shooting 29 threes. You know, 29 threes is a pretty low number. We average 36.2 during the season, shooting at 35%. And during the last three games, 29, but shooting 40%. You know, we played the, the Lakers too. So... I think and the Grizzlies, those two are great, great def def defenders. So I think that's a great way of playing. You know, I I like that we are taking those mid range shots, those good mid range shots, because you can take bad mid range and and good midis. And we are taking the good ones. We are taking the open ones. We are taking the the getting to your spots one, once once. Excuse me. I think I think um, that's the that's yeah. the most important part of the mid range jump shots taking the the ones that actually matter like the ones that you should be taking because sometimes right you know back when the raptors had demar derozan sometimes he would actively hunt for mid-range jump shots and in today's game that's not the that that's not the type of you know the type of offense that will make that will get you deep into the playoffs now to wrap to wrap this up Let's award the Heat Player of the Week. I think it should be unanimous Jimmy Butler. Would you agree, Jorge? Heat Player of the Week? The, I mean, we can go with Butler, but I like giving it to, to Duncan Robinson. I mean, Jimmy Butler will always be the the, the, the player of the of the year, of the Heat. So let's, let's give love to Duncan. I think I will give love to Duncan, and you will... Do you give love to to Jim BP? I think that I think that's fair. 
giving love to Duncan Robinson because you know Jimmy Butler, as we all know, has been amazing this year. But Duncan has been was pretty good this week too. He was shooting the three away. He was throwing, shooting the ball in excellent fashion. And you know, let's let's give it uh, our Heat co-players of the week, Jimmy Butler and Duncan Robinson. Now let's take a look at the week ahead before we wrap up. We are on a four-game road trip that ends on Friday against the Timberwolves, and then we go back to the to Miami on Sunday. So Suns on Tuesday, Nuggets on Wednesday. That's a killer. You think that's a that's a killer? Suns on Tuesday and Nuggets on Wednesday. That's I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it from I'm just gonna say it right now. That Wednesday game might be might not be that good for the Heat. You know the Nuggets are rolling ever since the Aaron, ever since the Aaron Gordon trade. So, and ha- having them on the second night of a back to back, I don't think that's a that's a good recipe for winning. The Timberwolves on Friday might be the worst team in the NBA. So you know, good might be a good rebound back, rebound game. But then on Sunday at three thirty, national te- nationally televised game, the Brooklyn Nets come to town to the three hundred five. And they're faced the Miami Heat in a potential in a potential playoff matchup, playoff preview. Yeah, you, you know, James Harden will be there. Kevin Durant will be there. Even Paul Pierce is going to show up in that game because that's how it goes against the Heat. You know, everyone gets healthy. <laughs> everyone is healthy against the Heat. Let's hope that the well, if if Paul Pierce shows up in Miami, let's 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 hope that he. <laughs> That he contributes. To, I'm just gonna say that it's hope that he contributes to the local economy. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are the Heat rankings for the season after the week? 22nd in offensive rating, sixth in defensive rating, 22nd in turnovers per game, and 17th in three pointers made per game. Now, Jorge, I think most Heat fans know you from Twitter, but where can we find you for those that don't know? Again, here we go. At the Mahi fan on Twitter, or you can just search for the Common Sense Heat fan. That's also my my screen name on Twitter. So, any one of those two, you can follow me there. Uh, thank you, thank you for that. Well, thank you for joining me this week, Jorge, and thanks to our listeners for listening to the Three Hundred Five Culture Show. Subscribe to our feed wherever you get your podcast. You can also listen to us on Dash Radio via the Nothing But Net Station. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305CulturePod. Wear your mask, keep your distance, and watch the NBA. See you next week. Bye-bye. With the start of the NBA season in full swing, we invite you to come and hashtag PropOp on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in a respective sport. For example, in the NBA, you choose 5 out of the 10 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and has thousands more guaranteed for the NBA this season. Use promo code JIMMY, that's J-I-M-M-Y, when you sign up today and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. 
Thank you for listening to the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. Wear your mask, keep your distance, and watch the NBA. See you next week.